So I went over to America there a couple of years ago. My brother was getting married, so I went over to do all of that, and I decided to kind of make a holiday of it. So we went over a couple of days early and uh, spent a bit of time in New York, and then went over to um, uh, Estes Park in Colorado there, and uh, then went back to Iowa, where my sister-in-law is from. So while there, anyway, we went to see an American football game, and it was very, very interesting because it was a Catholic school, so Catholic school... Like facilities, like simple stadium in a Catholic school, like they just you know, like they're fairly up there now in the old wealth, and um, so it was just it was like amazing grounds, amazing training grounds, like full gym, everything you can imagine. So um, they asked me if I'd like to come into the the room for half time, and I said sure. They had asked me before, and I said sure, no problem at all, because uh, apparently they like the Irish accent and all that kind of thing. They look, they look at the Irish. So I went in with my lucky charms. The only problem was, this game was the first game that they looked like they were losing in a 50-game winning streak, right? So I went in for the halftime talk, and the managers and coaches were not happy, right? Because, like, like the, the team was falling apart. It's like they had a, a 50, well, 40, actually, a 49-game winning streak. This is their 50th game, and they were, they were, they were down, and it wasn't looking good. So the, the managers and the, the, the coaches tore into them, kind of forgetting I was there, or maybe it wasn't really important that I was there, but like they absolutely shredded them. Like, and just with very kind of simple questions in a way. Uh, as, as I can imagine, I remember uh, um, Henry Shefflin saying something similar, uh, but he said the, 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 the coaches were roaring at them, do you want this? Do you want this victory? You know, do you want it? Because you have to want it more than them or you're not going to get it. I remember Henry Shefflin saying once as well, he said, what wins all Ireland's, right, is heart and hurt. Heart and hurt. You have to want it more. And if you've lost a couple of, of finals in the last couple of years, you know, you've hurt more. So you want this. Like, you really want this to happen. I've got a spider in my glasses. That's interesting. Okay. So anyway, heart and hurt. So, and I just thought, it's very, very interesting that we can have such motivation and such fire for games. Because that's ultimately what it is. It's a game, like chess or tiddlywinks. You know, it's a game. Now, it's a game that lots of people watch. It's a game that lots of people take very seriously, but ultimately, it is a game. Right? And now we read today's second reading. It ends with this absolutely phenomenal, rousing kind of a battle cry. For I am certain of this, that neither death, nor life, no angel, no prince, nothing that exists, nothing still to come, nor any power, or height, or depth, or any created thing can ever come between us and the love of God made visible in Jesus Christ our Lord. Nothing can separate us from God. Nothing. Not even death. Not even, no prince, no, no ruler, no communism, no anything, any, any negative influence out there at all. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Now this, of course, presumes the fact that we want the love of God. Because if we don't, well then that can separate us from the love of God, yes. If I don't want it, well then what's he supposed to do? I remember once um, I was going out with a girl a long, long time ago before the whole, you know, priesty thing. And uh, and I was kind of, we got to the stage where I was kind of, you know, um, fairly kind of convinced that, like, you know, she was the one and all of that. And, um, you know, I wanted to kind of use the, the L word, you know, just kind of, let's just, let's just get it out there. I just think I'm going to say it, right? 
I, I thought, no, no, I can't say it that way. It's so cheesy. It's so, like, it's like, it's like, sounds like one direction or something. So, no, I'm not, no, no, I'll come up with a different way. I need a different way of saying the same thing. And so, I looked into her eyes and she said, what, what, what is it you want to say? And I said, I'd take a bullet for you. <laughs> now, she said, what? <laughs> she wasn't very impressed by my romantic attempt there. Uh, but I actually, I, I kind of meant it. Like, the point I was trying to make was, like, I'd actually, this is something, you know, the relationship with you is something I'd actually give my life for. It's something I'd actually risk my life for. You know, much more than a game or, or, or these other things. Like, but there are certain things that we will say, I'd actually give my life for this. All parents, the vast majority of parents, would say that about their children. I would give my life for my little girl or little boy, and I'm sure uh, <clears throat> Charlie's mom and dad would have said the same thing when she was diagnosed with cancer. I'm sure you would say, look, I'd rather take this on myself, because she's only 21. She's got her whole life ahead of her. So I'd rather have this, I'd rather take this on myself and give her life. <coughs> So then, when we say things like that, we're, we're now learning what love means. That love isn't just fluffy thoughts and all this kind of thing, but it's, I'll actually sacrifice myself for you. I'll sacrifice myself for you. That's the essence of love. Love Island don't know nothing, okay? I sacrifice myself for you. That's the essence of love. That's the essence of God. That's the essence of the cross. That's the meaning of mass. All of these things all kind of come together in that understanding that love is self-sacrifice. Today's uh, feast day is, is, the, is the Korean martyr, uh, Andrew Kim. I remember reading uh, a booklet, or a small book, <coughs> about him years ago. And as, as often happens when I read stories about martyrs, feeling like such a loser, such a wimp afterwards. Because uh, some Koreans, right, some, of, some copies of sacred scripture, handwritten, right, this is the uh, mid 19th century. Some handwritten copies of scripture had been smuggled in from Japan into Korea. And so there was a community of about 4,000 lay people who were Christians who had never seen a priest. So they, well, they, were, they were Christians as much as they, as they could be. None of them had been baptized. None of them had, had been to mass ever because there were no priests. But a community of 4,000 people would know, but just, just kind of leading each other in prayer and in, in studying the scriptures and all of that. And then the first Korean native priest to be ordained was uh, Saint well, Father Andrew, Father Andrew Kim. So, young man, he had to escape out of Korea to, be, to do his seminary in about, uh, about 1,200 miles away in China and then was sent back. And uh, <coughs> most of his missionary work he had to do at night going around to different houses, baptizing people, celebrating mass, and all of that. So, like, as I said, there's this community that had never seen a priest before, apart from the, these, these French uh, priests then who came in just before uh, St. Andrew. So, anyway, all of his missionary work done under the cover of darkness, and he was trying to arrange to have other priests come because he couldn't do it all himself. So he was trying to arrange safe passage for them to land uh, on the shore, and he was caught. Now, uh, the Korean government at the time, this is about 1849, uh, they were afraid that anything Christian would lead to a European invasion. So they wanted to destroy the Christian faith in no uncertain terms. So not only were you killed, but you were done so publicly. So they would torture you publicly and then behead you. And that's what happened to him. He was 25. 
He was 25 years of age when he gave his life for the same faith that we have today, for this verse that we heard at the end of our reading. For I am certain of this, that neither death nor life, no angel, no prince, nothing that exists, nothing still to come, nor any power, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing, not even you, Korean government, can come between us and the love of Christ made, love of God made visible in Jesus Christ. And so he died, died a martyr at 25. Him and about 10,000 others during the persecution of, of the, the, the church there in Korea phenomenally courageous he saw his father died, die uh, as a martyr uh, and numerous uncles and yet nothing can come between me and my love for God nothing do you know this is so much more than a game this is so much more important this is, this is life giving and they held on to the faith and now thank God we have in my missionary community I belong to a missionary community I have two Korean priest brothers uh, who are serving now in Korea, <coughs> in South Korea, one in Seoul, or Seoul as we pronounce it, uh, and one just up at the border near North Korea, where if he crosses, he'll be shot. Because, uh, yeah, not so friendly up there. But they believe that this faith that we have, this relationship with Jesus Christ, this we're dying for. And, and they're right. It is worth dying for. This is the greatest treasure known to man. Our relationship with God. Why? Because everything else will pass. Except that. So we ask the good Lord today as we pray for Charlie Maguire and for all of ye who mourn her loss. We pray for that steadfast faith. A faith that isn't just about feelings. A faith that is a real relationship with Jesus and that it animates me. It, it gives my, my, my life, it, it gives it purpose, it gives it meaning. We pray for this, this renewed gift of faith for us and for all of those that we care for. Amen. <clears throat>